This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Christians, this Lenten season we're focusing on Old Testament lessons fulfilled in Jesus Christ crucified. Ash Wednesday, we learned from the book of Joel that we must repent. Last week, we learned of our sin and its forgiveness in Christ. And tonight, from the book of Exodus, we learn how it is that God creates faith. God creates faith, as we all know, through the Word, the spoken Word, the preached Word, the taught Word, the proclaimed Word. Wherever God's Word is preached or taught in its truth and purity, the Holy Spirit is at work. That is always true. God is always working in His Word. And yet we're kind of a conundrum because while God is working in the Word, at the exact same time the people hearing the Word are sinners. And because we're sinners, so often the word that is preached is ignored. The word that is taught is doubted. The word that is proclaimed is forgotten. And even if we do hear the word and believe it, so often because of our sinful natures, we think there needs to be something more. That the word is not enough in itself. And so we try to come up with things to add to the word in an effort to help God out. This leads to all sorts of issues in the church today. Issues and conflicts. Conflicts today about worship styles. Adding entertainment or personal style preference to God's Word. If you want the Word to work, you better do it the way everyone else is. Conflicts about Christian education. God's Word plus a youth trip. God's Word plus a coloring sheet. That will do it. Conflicts about calling a pastor. Or even supporting the pastor that you have called. Sure, he preaches God's Word, but he's a little bit introverted and awkward. Sure, he preaches God's word, but he talks a little bit funny. All of these things are a confession of our sinful nature because all of these things confess that we believe the word by itself is not enough to make Christians. 
And because we doubt that, we're really doubting the work of the Holy Spirit. We daily struggle to believe that God's word is enough. Now, the truth is, it's always been that way since the fall into sin. And we can see that very same struggle in today's Old Testament lesson with Moses, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. The same Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible. In our Old Testament lesson for tonight, Moses struggles to believe that God's word is enough on its own. We all know the story thanks to the Charlton Heston movie, right? God shows up in a burning bush. God sends Moses down into Egypt to free the people of Israel from bondage. God talks to Moses. But what we don't often focus on is the part next. How does God expect Moses to set the people free? Because of the Charlton Heston movie, we think it's through miracles. Through the boils, through the darkness, through the river of blood. In those things, God is going to set the people free. But in the scripture, it's explained just a little bit differently. How will Moses set the people of God free? He's to go down and speak. He's to use his words. He's to preach. To preach to the Israelites. To preach to the Egyptians. To the Israelites, he'll say, God sent me to set you free. And to the Egyptians, he'll say, let my people go. It's two relatively simple sermons. And yet both sermons are God's word in its truth and purity. And preached in its truth and purity, through those words, God will work. But there's a problem first. And the problem is Moses. Moses doesn't want to go. When he finds out he's supposed to go preach to Pharaoh, he says this, and I quote, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. What's he really saying? Moses is saying he doesn't think the word is enough to get the job done. There needs to be something more. Something in addition to God's word. He thinks the word will be more effective if there's a sign to accompany it. He thinks the word would be more effective if he had an army behind him. He thinks the word would be more effective if someone else was the one who had to speak that word. Moses doubts the word is good enough. I guess we can sort of forgive Moses 
After all, he's 80 years old, living safely in the land of Midian with a wife and children. He's 700 miles away from where Pharaoh lives, at least in walking distance. And do you remember why he's not in Egypt? He was wanted for murder. And even his own people, the Israelites, despised him. Oh, and by the way, he was raised in Pharaoh's household, so he knows them personally, almost as family. And you know how it is talking with family about religion. It's embarrassing. Not only will he have to talk about religion with Pharaoh, he'll have to talk about politics, the two no-nos. All of this and Pharaoh at this time is the most powerful man living in the world. And Moses doesn't think the word will be enough. Moses needs something more. In fact, in Exodus chapter 4, Moses tries trick after trick to convince God to send someone else. To convince God that he's not up to the task. To convince God there needs to be more than just a short sermon. Let my people go to accomplish his task. God sends him all the same. God sends him first to preach. And yes, God does provide signs to accompany the word. Take your hand and put it in your cloak and pull it out and it was leprous. Put it back in, pull it out and it's healthy again. Pour out water on the ground and the water will turn into blood. Throw your staff down on the ground and it will become a serpent. A frightening serpent that Moses runs away from. Sure, there are signs, but without the word, the signs mean nothing. Without a preached sermon, the signs are mere magic tricks. Without the words... The signs will do nothing. So God sends Moses. Moses makes the walk down to Egypt. Moses preaches. The signs accompany the word. And you know the rest. The book of Exodus says it this way, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen. Do you see what Pharaoh's problem is now? He has the same problem Moses did a few minutes ago. It's not that he doesn't believe the signs. He's seen them. The hail falling down, the blood, the boils, the gnats, the locusts. Moses has performed the signs and Pharaoh knows that they are real. But what's the issue? 
Pharaoh doesn't listen to the word. Pharaoh stops up his ears. Pharaoh doesn't care about God's word. That's what cost Pharaoh. That was his sin. You see, God's word is preached. But the ears that hear sometimes believe, and other times they doubt. That's the way it's always been. Not just in the time of Moses, but also in the time of Jesus, right? Jesus, what did he begin his ministry by doing? The Gospels tell us he started by preaching. His sermon was short and simple. It sounded like this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus preached every opportunity he had. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he preached. I am the good shepherd, he preached. I am the resurrection and the life, he preached. Parables, he preached. Every opportunity Jesus had, he was talking. We have chapters and chapters of the New Testament recording his sermons for us. He preached publicly and he preached often. The word went out. But some people stopped up their ears. Some people refused to believe. Some people hardened their hearts. Sure, Jesus also had signs to accompany the word he proclaimed. Signs and miracles that he performed. Moses was able to turn his hand leprous and back just by sticking it in his jacket. Jesus could heal leprosy merely with his word. Moses walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, walking across the surface of the water. Moses fed the people of Israel with manna in the wilderness. Jesus fed people with a few loaves and fishes. Moses changed water into blood by pouring it on the ground. Jesus changed water into wine and all drank and were happy. But the signs, without believing the word, don't make any difference. The word is the important part. Everything that Moses did, Jesus did better. But still, people didn't listen. The word is preached. Ears hear. Some believe. Some do not. 
That's the way it's been throughout all history. The time of Moses, the time of Jesus, and even right now. In fact, the very same thing happens with us. We behave the same way. God sends his word to us. And oftentimes, because of our sin, our ears don't listen. Sure, we sit in church, sitting in the pew, but so often we zone out during the service, reaching into our pocket to pull out a phone and sneak a glance at the time, at the score of the game, or to check and see if our favorite restaurant will still be open if the pastor ever stops talking. pastor might say something, the truth of God's word, but rather than think it applies to us, even if it hits close to home, we look across the room. Ah, he's talking about so-and-so. God's word is taught faithfully, but the pastor really isn't hip enough or to use the vicar's language, based enough to reach the youth. I hope I used that word right, vicar. Okay. The word is preached. We think it's boring. Wish it could be pepped up a little bit, maybe with a fog machine and a laser light display. We think the sermon is fine. We wish the pastor would get out of the pulpit and walk up and down the aisles to keep people's attention as if God's word was not enough. As if by our actions in these ways we could make it more effective. As if we could help God out. Word is preached. So often our sinful ears don't want to hear. And God has given us signs also, signs to accompany the word. In fact, they're bigger than signs, more important than signs. They're mysteries, sacraments, gifts of God that bring forgiveness to us here and now. The word of God combined with plain water in baptism to bring us forgiveness of sins. In those baptismal waters, true blood, the blood of Jesus washes away all of the sin and guilt within each one of us, clothing us with the robe of Christ's righteousness. From the altar, bread and wine combined with God's word that brings us Jesus' physical, bodily presence for the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Signs that accompany God's word so that you might receive the word and receive his gifts and believe in him. So that you might trust 
and the mercy of God. Dear Christian, repent of your sin. Repent of your plugged ears, of your boredom, of your desire to add something new to what God does in his word. Because God has sent his word to you. Not just preached by the pastor. God sent his word into the flesh for you. In the person of Jesus. We've already talked about how Jesus preached the word and yet was rejected. Preached the word and was mocked and ridiculed. Preached the word. And as a result, was crucified on Calvary's cross. Nailed to that wooden cross, naked, bleeding, and dying for all the world to see. Jesus, the Word made flesh, was pierced for your transgressions, killed for your iniquities. And yet, in the cross and death of Jesus, we see the sign of God's love, even as the Word goes forth. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And God didn't leave Jesus dead. God the Father raised him from the dead. He is alive even now. And forevermore, Jesus lives and reigns. The cross and the empty tomb, that is the biggest sign, the most historically accurate sign that God has given to us. And the word that Jesus preached still rings forth. Not through the mouth of Moses, but through the mouth of other sinful men. A word that brings forgiveness to you here and now. A word that promises you, you will live forever. A word that grants peace and comfort. So repent of your sins and believe the word. Stop hardening your hearts and closing your ears. Believe that the word is enough and seek to have it regularly preached into your ears. Believe that the word is enough and let all other man-made distractions fall into the past. Believe that the word is enough and like Moses, boldly speak it to family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, and the like even if it's awkward, even if it's uncomfortable, because nothing else is more important. Believe that the word is enough and study it as often as you can. Believe that the word is enough and that when it was combined with plain water and poured on you, you were marked with God's name. Believe that God's word is enough To bring Jesus physically into your presence for forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Believe that God's word is enough. That God's word is Jesus. 
And that by the sign of the cross, he has won your salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.